0: Good morning. They say, Brother Seth, and everybody just runs off the stage, don't they? And just leaves me up here by myself. So next time, I'm just going to have Cecil sit here and say amen from behind me. And uh, you'd do that, wouldn't you, brother? (laughs) It's good to be here. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 15. John chapter number 15. John's Gospel. Chapter 15, verse number 1. And when you find your place, please stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Got Austin back on the front row this morning. Praise the Lord. John chapter 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. The Bible says this, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for all the many blessings. God, we thank you for the good service we've had thus far. Lord, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to move in this service, God, and that you would speak to people through your word this morning. God, I just pray that you would give me... Clarity of mind, clarity of speech to proclaim your word, God, and nothing else this morning. And God, that that if anybody's lost here this morning, God, that you would save their soul. If anybody's backslidden, God, that you would reclaim them. And everything that would be done in this house would glorify you and you alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, back when I was younger, I was, this is probably, some of y'all think, well, you're still young, right? Can you say amen, please? <laughs> Thank you. But anyways, this has probably been 20, 25 years ago. I can actually remember 25 years ago. Some, some of these young guys up here are, you know, 12, 14 years old like, like Mason and them, but, but they can't remember that. But back when I was growing up, I had the privilege of spending a whole lot of time on my grandpa's farm. Now, I don't know about you but but when you're a kid you like spend I like spending time with my grandparents. Don't didn't some of you enjoy that? And I would spend time down at his farm and and he would take me and we would go to the barn and and we would milk the cow. Now, um, now he taught me as a 6-year-old little boy how to milk a cow by hand. Do you believe that? So that to this day I still know how to milk a cow. So if anybody ever gets in that situation just call me. I can teach you. But I remember out, out in his barnyard, off to the side, he had an orchard. And he had apple trees and he had, he had all kinds of things growing in that, that orchard. And he had pears. My grandpa, he was raised in the Great Depression. And so he was, he was one of those guys that would try to sustain himself. You, you know those type of people that he would milk his own cows, grow, garden, and, and do everything. And he was very independent. But right in the middle of the orchard, Set something that, that, that I loved. And when I was a kid, I, I absolutely loved it. And it was a grapevine. Anybody ever ever have a grapevine at their farm? And, and, you know, a lot of the old what we would call home places had a grapevine. The farms and, and you know what a grapevine looks like. It's, it's just a big vine and it has a trellis. And those branches, they interweave themselves into the trellis. And, and it was just my favorite time of the year when those, when those grapes would come out and they would produce and they would turn purple. And me and my cousins, we would go out there and we would enjoy that fruit. We didn't care about germs. We'd get them straight off the vine and we would eat them and we'd, we'd just put them straight in our mouth. And, and what joy that was. And, and that's a wonderful memory that I have from when I was a child is eating those grapes And so Jesus in John chapter 15, what's what's going on here is he is preparing his disciples for his imminent departure. Jesus is about to be crucified, Jesus is about to die, and he's about to go to the cross for the sins of the entire world. And so he's told his disciples in several places, he's told the guys, he said, hey, I'm going to die. He says says that I'm going to be in the belly of the earth for three days, and they just didn't get it. And you can go back to the previous chapter and you can go to John chapter 14. And he even tells them, he says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. He says, but if I go away, he says, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am you may be also. And he tells them that. But then he pulls the disciples aside and we have the scripture that we have right here in, in John chapter 15. And Jesus starts off and he says two words that should, should take your mind back to the book of Exodus when Moses is in the desert and God is calling him out to lead the children of Israel he's on the backside of the desert and God speaks to Moses from a burning bush and he says this God says that I am God says he is the I am and so no different than right here Jesus says in John chapter 15 verse 1 those, script, those same words come out of his mouth and he says I am the true vine now this is not the only time in the New Testament that Jesus says these words. In fact, there are seven different I am sayings in the New Testament. And that's not what I'm going to preach on this morning. But I will just really quickly want to give them to you. And they're all found in the book of John. John chapter 6, Jesus tells his disciples, I am the bread of life. John chapter 8, he tells his disciples, I am the light of the world. John chapter 10, verse number 7, he tells his disciples again, I am the gate. In the same chapter, verses 11 through 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. At the the resurrection of Lazarus, he tells Mary and Martha, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then finally in John chapter 14, just previous to this this chapter, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus was very confident in what he could say that, that he was all these things. Amen. He could say without a fact, I am. See, when God says I am, that comes with a degree of certainty. I can say that I am something today and tomorrow I may not be. Amen? Today, I could say, just just as an example, a, a silly little example, today I am the pastor of Cookville Free Will Baptist Church. Lord forbid something changes tomorrow, I may not be. I am, I may not be, and so my I am's, are, are not eternal. My I am's, they are not indefinite. They are not concrete. But when God said, I am, and Jesus says that I am, all these things, they come with, uh, with certainty. They come with something that you can take to the bank. And he says, I am the true vine in John chapter number 15. And so when he says that I am the true vine, that, that brought me back to that barnyard and, and made me think of that grapevine and, and how the, the, the whole purpose of that grapevine for me was just to bear fruit. And But we have to look at the vine itself. So I'm just going to go through this in an expository fashion. I like reading the Word of God expositorily. What that means is if I go through this verse by verse, I don't avoid things. I don't pick verses out and I don't pull things. I just go straight through the Bible. And I believe that's how the Bible needs to be preached. Amen. As a preacher, I don't need to avoid anything, do I? So John chapter 15 verse number 1, the first thing that I want you to see above all else is the preeminence of the vine. I want you to see that Jesus himself said, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Now what is the vine? What is the purpose of the vine? Why do we have a vine? Well, the vine, if you, if you know anything about grapes, and, and I'm sure that Jesus might have been in a place where he was looking around. I want you to understand that, that almost every time Jesus spoke about something or he used some kind of example such as a vine or he would talk about being a fisher, Jesus would just look out and he would see something and then, and then he could just, just tell his disciples about that. And so Jesus was surrounded by these vineyards, Jesus was surrounded by grapevines, and 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 folks back then, the the children of Israel and Jews, and and all these folks, they knew a thing or two about grapes. Every place that you would go, and every city that you would go into, you would find vineyards and vineyards and vineyards, and you would find wine presses. Why were they so Why were they so obsessed about grapes? Well, their drinking water wasn't all that great, so they had to have something good to drink, and so they would crush the grapes and they would drink them. And so they depended, their life depended on the fruit of the vine. And so Jesus tells himself, tells His disciples that He Himself is the true vine. He Himself is where life comes from. And so number one, we must see the preeminence of the vine. We must see that it all is going to start with the vine. You don't have branches. You don't have, you don't have anything. You don't have fruit unless you have the vine. Can you say amen right there? So Jesus himself is the vine. So, so we must understand that it's not about the branches. It's not about us. It's not about anything else. It's about him. Amen? We see the preeminence of the vine. We, we, we must put Jesus in his rightful place, which is at the head of everything, because without him, we don't have anything. Jesus goes on to say. He says, and I believe it's in verse number five at the end of it. He says, "For without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. We need to. If if you write in your Bible, you need to underline that doubly because that's that's true in every single aspect of life. Without God, without without Jesus Himself, we don't do anything." Bible says, the Bible says in Acts chapter 17 that we live and, and move and have our being in Him. Without Him, we are absolutely nothing. We see the preeminence of the vine in verse number 1, that He is the true vine. But in verse number 4, He says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. So we see in verse number four that unless we have the vine, there's no fruit going to be produced at all. We we have to be hooked up, we have to be, we have to be hooked up into the vine so we see the power of the vine. Now, what does the vine do for the branches? Well, first of all, I would present this to you this morning: that the the vine presents all the nutrients that the branches are gonna get. Anybody that understands gardening and understands and grow, I don't know, maybe somebody in here grows grapes, I don't know. But, but you don't have grapes unless you've got good dirt, right? There's a lot, any of you farmers, Brother Albert, you grow a garden, don't you? You've got to have good dirt, don't you? Because that's where the nutrients come from. But the nutrients can't turn into fruit without the vine, And so we must understand that we as Christians can produce absolutely no fruit unless we are, what, abiding in the vine. If we get outside of anything besides Jesus, there's going to be nothing come of it. What I see in churches today, and it's such a dangerous thing, is a lot of churches have have taken their focus off of the true vine. Do you know that? that they have taken their focus, they have taken their eye off of Jesus, and they've tried to do things on their own. And they've tried to do things in their own power, and we absolutely as a church cannot do that. If that's this church, then God help us. God forgive us that we do not do that, and that our focus goes on Him, and that we know that anything that we do is through Him and by Him, and we do nothing on our own. We must, be, we must be connected to the vine. But not only do we see the, the husbandman, and, or not only do we see the vine, but we see also the husbandman right there. And who is the husbandman? Well, it says that my father is the husbandman. That God is the husbandman. He is the one, or you could call him a vine dresser. He is the one that watches over the vineyard. He is the one that oversees the operation. And we see in verse number 8, it says, Herein is my Father glorified. Herein is, the, herein is the husbandman glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. So that lead me to, leads me to the next thing, that we are to bear fruit. That, that we as Christians, we, we are to bear fruit every single day. In verse number 5, it says that I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. I believe that, that if we are truly hooked up into the vine, if this church is hooked up into the vine, if we as individuals are in the vine, that we can't help but produce fruit. That it should just come naturally. That a Christian shouldn't have to even hardly try sometimes. That if you're living in that deep relationship with God, if you're living in that place where you ought to be, where you depend on the vine, if you do that, if your power comes through the vine, then the fruit will just come naturally. Those branches, they don't have to tell themselves to grow the fruit. Those branches, they don't have to think about it or they don't have to try. They just, just simply because they are part of the vine, therefore they bear fruit. The fruit automatically comes and we must produce. We must present that fruit. Why, why is it so important that we must produce fruit? Because we're doing it for God's glory. It doesn't say that we're doing it for our own glory. It doesn't even say that we're doing it for the the, the vine's glory. It says that we're doing it for the glory of God. Everything that we do as a church must be for the glory of God. Any fruit that we produce should not reflect back to Cookville Free Will Baptist. It should reflect back to the glory of God. Everything that we do. And and I just want to ask you as an individual, take take an account of your life right now. Are you producing fruit like you should be? Does that fruit naturally come out of you? Or, or do you have to do you have to try really hard? And it seems like it's a painful thing for you to produce fruit. If that's you, I would say that you need to get back in that right relationship with the vine. Amen. But but sometimes. The thing about it is, is, is the branches don't produce like they should. Sometimes the branches they get some they get some dead ends on them and they and they get to a place where they don't produce. So what comes after the production? If, if the production's not there, then what does the vine dresser do? Well, he starts his pruning process. And we see in verse number two, if you'll you'll turn your attention to verse number two, verse two, it says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. Or he prunes it, that it may bring forth more fruit. That it may bring forth more fruit. And I thought about that pruning process. Now, now I'm, I'm not, I don't have a green thumb. I'll just be honest with you. I'm not a guy that knows a lot about growing stuff. I have a black thumb, in fact. I found that the best thing to do is just get artificial flowers and you don't have to worry about it, right? And I'm not good at growing stuff, but, but I do know, have enough sense to know that, that sometimes you have to, to trim things back. If you really want to grow something good, you have to trim it back. And I'm sure that, that sometimes that, that, that branch or that tree or that, that bush or whatever it is that you're trimming, I'm sure that bush is not enjoying that. I'm sure that that bush is not saying, hey, cut these dead ends off of me. And so I know that sometimes when we don't produce fruit, that God has to deal with us. God, the husbandman, has to come down and he has to trim these branches so that we can bring back and, pr- and bring forth more fruit for him. It's not always enjoyable, church, but sometimes the branches have to be purged. Amen? A, it says that it, we may bring forth more fruit. As I was thinking about this and studying and praying on this, I thought about, about how much fruit, and, and maybe this is the whole question of the day is how much fruit are you bringing to God? And I thought, what, what kind of fruit should we be bringing to God? And I think that the, the most prevalent thing that we, we should be bringing forth to God is souls. Amen. I mean, we're not, we're not seeing many people saved, are we? I mean, that, that's just a fact of life. We're, we're not seeing it. Does that mean God's not saving people? Absolutely not. God will still save anybody that asks him. God will still have anybody that is willing to humble themselves and ask God to save them. And I thought, wow, Christians these days, we're not not producing fruit as we should be. And it brought a man to my mind. And I'll tell you about him. He's he's one of the most fruitful Christians that I've ever met in my life. And, And I like to meet new people. And when I met this man, uh, he, was, he was kind of a rough guy, and, and I heard his backstory. and his name is Lonel, and, and Tanner knows him, I believe, and I met this man, and, and I found out that he used to be a boxer, a golden glove boxer, and he won, won a gold medal in that, and, he, and then after that, he'd done some time in prison, and then he became an alcoholic, and then he got on drugs, and so all these things happened to him, and you thought, how can he be fruitful? And so one day, my pastor brother Rudy Oaks went to his house and knocked on his door and and led him to the Lord. It was a miraculous thing. I mean, nobody had had any hope for this man. And if you would have looked at him, you would have said, well, even though he's safe, what can this guy really do? He's had a terrible life. He's, he's, he's just done drugs. He's a drunk. He's known in the community as an alcoholic. And he's cut ties with just about everybody around. What can this man do to glorify God? And you may be thinking the same thing about yourself. You may be thinking, well, what kind of fruit, what can I do to glorify God? So this man got saved, and he got hooked up into the vine. And then and when he got hooked up into the vine... God put a calling on his life to begin to preach. Well, some preachers in the community thought, I'm not having that guy in my pulpit. I know what he's like. I'm not letting him preach to my people because, because I'm afraid of what he might say. I know that man. And so he couldn't produce fruit in the churches. So what did he do? Well, he went to where people would give him an audience, and, and he had what, what I would call a captive audience. He went to the, from, the, from the pulpit to the prisons. And, and to this day, that man has won hundreds, if not thousands of people to God in just the past decade, in just the past ten years. Why? Because his power came from the Lord. He didn't have the greatest past. He didn't have the pedigree that some people have. He wasn't raised in church. He, he's not the most eloquent guy to this day. If you talk to him, he's, he's still just, just an old plain person that doesn't know a whole lot, but he knows where his salvation lies and he knows that we're to bring fruit back to the husbandman and we're to do it for the glory of God and so he does that and 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 he he got hooked up to to the vine and and then he started getting educated and, and the man was dyslexic I mean he had all the chips were stacked against him he could barely read and yet he got a doctorate degree in theology you believe that But yet, he didn't get on his high horse. He didn't think that he was somebody. He still, to this day, right now, that man has stage 4 cancer. Pancreatic cancer. And he goes to the jails and the prisons every day for the glory of God. Can we produce fruit? I believe that we can. I believe that, that each person in here is just a branch. If you're saved this morning, then that means that, that by default, you're hooked up into the vine automatically. Don't be one of those branches that, that starts to wither. Don't be one of those branches that, that doesn't try to produce fruit. If you'll, just, if you'll just have that right relationship with God, the fruit will come. But then there's something I've been kind of putting off talking about. And it's something that we don't like to talk about a whole lot. Verse number 6 says this. It says, If a man abideth not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And then what happens? It says, And men gather them and cast them into the fire where they are burned. If a man abide not in me. If you're abiding in anything else, and in everyone, that word abide, it's not a a word that should scare you. It's a Bible word. It's a word that just simply means to, to be with or to couple yourself to. And if you're saved, you're coupled to the vine. But if you're not saved, you're surely coupled to something. And we get so hooked up with other things and we get so interested in other things. You notice that Jesus says in verse number 1 that he is the true vine. What does that mean? If he's the true vine, then, then I would take that to mean that there can be other vines. Would you agree with that statement? That there could be other things that you could get hooked up in. There could be other things that you could be growing out of. And if you're growing anywhere but in the true vine, then the only destiny that you'll have is one thing. And what does that say? Straight from the Bible, it says in verse 6 that they will be gathered up and cast into the fire where they are burned. Now this is branches that are not abiding. This is branches that were not in the vine, that one of these days Jesus will look at those branches and He'll say, hey, I never knew you. Depart from me, I never knew you. Hell's not a popular thing to talk about, is it? But it's real. Do y'all believe that this morning? The hell is a real place? You believe heaven is real, don't you? We we know the heaven is real. We want to believe that. But on the flip side of that, you can't talk about heaven without talking about hell. Now I'm not talking about fruit at this point. I'm talking about not even being in the vine. I'm talking about that you've never joined yourself to that vine. You've never had the power of God in your life. You've never been saved. And therefore, you only have one destiny. If the vine dressers found a branch that wasn't on the vine, then you know what they would do? They would take it and they would start a fire with it. And they would use it for kindling. And it would burn up. But I tell you what, there's a fire that's far worse than that, that never ends, that is never quenched if people are not in the will of God, if people are not abiding in the true vine. And we don't like to talk about that. We, we kind of we push that off to the side sometimes and think, well, you know, a lot of people are going to heaven. I, I've heard this line before out of churches, well, he's a good guy. I've heard this out of church people saying, look, they'll look at somebody and say, He is a good person. Well, those branches, they may be pretty. They may have whatever on them. But if they're not in the vine, if they're not in the true vine, guess what? They end up getting burnt. They end up in the fire. And if anybody's lost here this morning, if you're not abiding in the true vine, then that's, that's the only destiny that you have amen I hope that every Christian this morning is is truly abiding in the vine that we are producing fruit but I would say this as as the pastor of this church that we can produce more fruit that we as, as individuals can produce more fruit for the glory of God we as a church and on an individual basis in every way we can never stand to glorify God enough We can never produce enough fruit for God. And God will take it. And God will accept it. And He'll be glorified by it. I want to be a church that glorifies God, don't you? I mean, if we're doing anything this morning as a church besides glorifying God, we might as well hang it up. Because we're here to glorify God. God put this church, Cookville Free Will Baptist, where we are, whenever this church was started uh, many years ago God put us uh, put the church on Scott Street and then they moved here and that was part of God's plan why so that he could be glorified and nothing else if we're doing it for our own glory we're doing it for the wrong reason. the branches produce the fruit simply because they're to bring Glory to God. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Jesus told them this just just days, maybe even hours, before he was going to die. He had to prepare his disciples for what they were about to face. See, his disciples had a church to start. They had a mission that they were about to, to undertake. And they were about to go into all the world. And God said, you know, when you go into all the world, you're going in my power. You're going in my name. You're going as an extension of the vine. And you know what? We we are still, 2,000 years later, Jesus is still that vine. That vine has not changed and his, His power has not diminished one bit. And as we are still, to this day, branches producing fruit, For God's glory. Brother Cecil, Sister Connie, come to the piano this morning. Everybody stand. Christians, ask yourself that question. Where's the fruit? Is it still there? Am I I producing fruit for God's glory? But then lost people, I ask you a question. Are you in the vine? If you're lost, you're not. And you need to be because... Only one thing happens, and that is that you have eternal fire waiting. Let's bow our heads for just a moment and pray before Cecil sings. God, I just pray that, that your word would go out, Lord, and that it would penetrate hearts. Lord, I know I can do nothing. Lord, in my feeble effort, God, but I just pray that you would be glorified. And Lord, that your word would speak to people, and we could realize that your, your coming is near. God, if anybody's lost, Lord, I pray that you would save them this morning. God, if anybody's backslidden, Lord, I just pray that you would touch them. God, help us to glorify you. Help us to produce fruit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.